never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps of Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Epp. Today is another fantastic day for an interview and I've got Michael Levitt with me. Uh, Michael is the Chief Burnout Officer and when I saw that title, I thought, oh man, I need to talk to him because, you know, if I look back through my life, I have been the prime example of boom and bust. Bang, 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 bang. Yonk. <laughs> so, for those of you on the podcast, you can't see that perfect uh, deliverance of me going like an energizer bunny and then uh, crashing when the batteries are falling over. Um, unfortunately, that was my life. And I've still got the same tendencies. So I need to constantly catch myself. And therefore, I, I'm so delighted to, to talk to Michael. Michael, welcome to Mosha. Thank you so much. Looking forward to our conversation today. <laughs> oh, dear. But I mean, we are typical men. We are both, uh, again, you on a podcast, you have such a, a disadvantage. You have got two stunning men um, in their prime um, with the same haircut, aerodynamic. Um, and we are here to show you that even two numbnuts like us can actually get our act together because I was not the only one who was going through through burnout and going on through through nasty things. Michael was exactly doing the same thing. So we don't just look like peas in a pot. We were actually probably behaving very similarly. So so how I mean you were a man, I I guess just looking in your eyes, you're a go-getter. You're a man who is going out there and in, in your younger years, you were going for gold. Am I am I wrong or am I right here? Uh, you're spot on correct. Yeah, I was very driven type A personality, uh, set out a mission to really make an impact in, in my world and 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 also in, in the work that I did. And boy, did I learn my lesson from that. <laughs> but uh, on the good side, I mean, when we are driven, first of all, there's a there's good reason for that. We might explore that. But you were driven. What were you going after? What were your goals? Well, for me, well, for me, it was just you know to be really successful in everything that I did. I, I felt that it was a representation of myself, my family, uh, and, and I just wanted to do amazing work. And I wanted to do something different than what my ancestors did because prior to me, and I grew up in the Detroit, Michigan area, so my dad, my grandfather, great grandfather all worked in the auto sector. And I didn't want to do that because I knew that that was a market that goes up when things are great. It's great to be in that industry. And when things are bad, it's horrible because the stress layoffs, economic downturns, all the things that we see, and we're kind of seeing them again, they happen. It's history doesn't necessarily repeat, but it certainly rhymes. And unfortunately, in the auto sector, uh, it appears that we might be entering a downturn. So I realized at a very young age that I didn't want anything to do with that. So thankfully, I was decent with numbers. So I went into public accounting, worked in an accounting firm for the first pretty much decade of my life or work life, I should say. I wasn't like a little three-year-old crunching numbers. I was, you know, they, I, I was, you know, out of high school before I started there. So, uh, did all of that work, but was really growing, driven, and things like that. And got married, started having kids, and an opportunity came up to lead a startup healthcare organization. And I thought, okay, this is a huge challenge because I'd never worked in healthcare before. Okay, I'm going to lead an organization in a sector that I've never been a part of before okay, this should be fun. And it had lots of adventures and things like that. But again, my type A driven personality wanting to succeed, which is not a bad trait to have, but you have to have boundaries around it. And that was my biggest issue of all of them was I just didn't have boundaries around when I worked and when I didn't. Oh, beautifully said. Beautifully said. Because boundaries for us uh, as, as go-getters uh what what's that what's that you set your own boundaries because you're a man you're going out there you set your boundaries what boundaries i can do anything and when you're young you actually have got often enough the energy to address things having said that how often do you spread yourself so thin that you actually that your body even rebels against you um 
were out of interest. Um, how did your body respond to that? Um, did you develop things like chronic pain or repeated kind of episodes where a simple virus was wiping you out? Or how long did you continue like that? Well, I started at that organization, it was 2007, and by the spring of 2009, it started to really catch up with me. Thankfully, I was able to navigate around getting your typical coughs and colds, even though I was working in a medical facility where, mm. you know, only sick people come to visit you. Um, you know, the healthcare systems around the globe still haven't figured out the the sweet spot of going, no, you want people to visit when they're healthy so they can be proactive and not reactive when they're sick. But we haven't made that segue and, and no health system is currently paying for that type of service. So, you know, it's a long road ahead. But anyway, it all came to a crashing halt in May of 2009. So basically over a period of a year, this is what happened to me. And all these things happened to me because I was burned out. Uh, first thing that happened was I had a heart attack that should have killed me. And I was at age 40 at the time, a little young to learn about cardiology and all the things that come with that. So after surviving that heart attack and getting two stents in my left interior descending artery, which for those that aren't aware, that artery has a nickname in cardiology world. It's called the widow maker because typically when you have a heart attack and you have blockages in that artery, you are being viewed instead of seen. And thankfully I'm, I'm still here, but that set off a chain of events. So 17 weeks later, um, I was cleared to go back to work, but my employer decided they didn't want me anymore, so they let me go. Now, this is 2009. In the U.S., we were dealing with this thing called the Great Recession, Canada as well, because I was based in Canada. Uh, and, of course, I was in an area that was across the border from Detroit, again, where I grew up. And that was when you know the auto sector was really in big trouble because both the U.S. and Canadian governments had to bail out a couple of them because they were filing bankruptcy because they were going to go out of business. And that would have been millions of jobs uh, impacted, you know, not only just through those automakers, but all of the suppliers and restaurants and everything in those communities, it would have desecrated those towns. So the government bailed out those organizations and, you know, they were able to turn things around and, and go back to business. But when you are unemployed in a at that point, I would call that area was more depressed than in a recession type of situation. There just wasn't any jobs to be found. So I had to go full time on looking for a new role, again, fresh off of having this cardiac event. And it took me months to find this new role. And it ended up requiring a relocation to Toronto, which I wasn't overly happy about. Uh, but I had to go where the jobs were. Uh, but unfortunately, during that big gap of time, and when you're on unemployment insurance, anybody that's ever been on unemployment or any type of social service, you know they're not paying you what you're used to getting paid. And it was roughly 50% of what I was earning. So when you're also on heart medication now that costs a thousand US dollars a month out of pocket because I didn't have any health insurance coverage at that point, um, you have to make some choices. You know, do you pay the mortgage and do you pay your car payment? Or do you buy food for your family and yourself and the medications to keep you alive? Well, I, I made the choice of the medications and the food. Probably should have done a little bit less food for me, but that's another story for another day. But at the end of it, you know, basically what had happened next was when you don't make those payments, um, then the banks come knocking on your door and say, can can we have the keys, please? And so I had uh, my car repossessed and also my home was foreclosed. So heart attack, job loss, car repossession, home foreclosure, all in a year. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was all because of burnout. I was not taking care of myself. I was making mistakes at work. I was stressed to the nth degree, just working crazy hours, not eating right, you name it. All the things that you're not supposed to do, I use that as my to-do list. I was doing all of them. And, you know, it, it, thankfully for me, it was the ultimate wake-up call. And we see this a lot with people when they face different challenges and things, they've got a choice. They can either 
change the direction of how they approach life and do things. Or in my situation, I could have easily said, I've survived all that because I was able to find a job. I had a vehicle. We had a place to live. I could have went, well, I guess they, they can't take me out. I'm strong. So, but I didn't do that. I realized for me, for me, I need to make some significant adjustments in my life. And before we continue, I want to warn listeners on this, or at least encourage them. In my experience in working with teams and individuals that have gone through burnout, 99.9% of the people do not need to completely reinvent their life. They don't need to. They just have to make some adjustments in a couple areas, typically. And when they do that, that's when they'll notice a lot of positive shifts as far as how things go in their life. But for me, I, I was not living well. And I realized, okay, I need to make some adjustments in that, you know, that took some time to adjust. Because when you're 40, those habits are in place pretty good. You know, your beliefs, your thoughts, all that stuff. That, I mean, that is a rut. You know, it's like, yeah, I, th this truck will go up and down the field. I can't go left or right, but I can go straight because the, the wheel ruts and in the dirt have been built for 40 years. So I can go forward and I can go backwards. I just can't go left or right. So for me, it was like those were some pretty deep ruts, but I was able to basically get the vehicle out of those ruts and, and go in some different directions. And I'm thankful for it. That's a beautiful, beautiful metaphor that you say there with the ruts. They are very deep and we are, we have created them and they served us well for a while. I mean, how did you, how did you switch off after 16 hours of work? Your mind is still going a thousand miles an hour. How did you switch off? Well, during that 17 weeks that I was off of work. No, no, no. Before that. Before, oh, 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 prior to that, okay. In the bad okay, old times. Okay. Yeah. Oh, how did I, oh, how did I switch off and just, I, I would say instead of falling asleep, it was more of a just crashing to sleep. Um, I just was just constantly going. There wasn't an off switch, even to the point, and this was the fall prior to that. I actually had taken a little bit of time off and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to the library. And I'm going to grab a book and I'm going to check out a book and I'm going to read a book because that's something that I did quite a bit before college. But then during college, all my reading was textbooks. So I, I had not been reading for for leisure for a long time. So I thought, well, let me go and, and check out a book. So I went into the business section, I think it was. I don't even remember what book it was. It might have been Good to Great by Jim Collins, but I, I, I want to say it was probably that book. So I thought, well, let me start reading it here in the library because I had time. I was just going to sit there and read a little bit, then I was going to check it out. I couldn't calm myself down to read the book. I literally could not consume. I could see the words <laughs> and I know how to read, but I literally could not right. relax myself enough to be able to read and comprehend what that paragraph said. And I thought, this must just be a dry chapter. So I went in, you know, I said, well, let me go to a different section of the book started. Couldn't even get through half a page. My mind was just everywhere. And I thought, okay, this is pointless. So I put the book back and I left. And I wish I at that point, I could have said, you know what, there's a big problem, I should be addressing this. But I thought, like many people do that they're in the middle of burnout is, I'll just work through it. I'll work harder, and I'll get this done. That's the opposite of what we need to do. You need to kind of Let's stop and take stock of where you're at. Yeah, but we're talking burnout. Burnout is, is, is a moment, a moment or a short brief period um, in time even if that period can be six months, a year before then finally all comes crashing down. Um, mm -hmm. I'm referring to the years beforehand. In my case, um, I discovered alcohol. And alcohol, the main thing for me was I could work 16 hours a day, um, and then I would immediately open a bottle of wine. After two glasses of wine, there would be a sound effect that goes like, <sighs> and I would feel all the stress just dropping off. I feel literally, I mean, right now you feel my, my shoulders just, oh yeah, just in, in memory of that effect. There would, my shoulders would relax, there would be the warmth inside my tummy. 
And then two glasses later, so towards the end of the first bottle, I was awake again. Ding, ding, ding. So let's keep working. Let's clean up the garage after 16 hours of work in the day. And needless to say, um, that extra wind came with a prize the next day. Um, because needless to say that your problems don't go away. Now you've got a hangover and the problems and still the same stress. <laughs> I, I had to, to, to uh, oh, I lived that life for the better part of a quarter of a century. Um, and before I finally learned my list, was there something like that for you? What gave you that sound effect? Yeah, I think the sound effect was, you know, during the, the 17 weeks and just reflecting and First, I thought it was the medication because the doctor had me on a lot of medications. And for the first, I would say, six weeks of my recovery, at 2 p.m., you could set your watch to it, not the digital kind, the old school wind-up type of watches. You could set your watch to it. I would need to take a nap every day. By 2 o'clock, I, I need to take a nap. And prior to that, you know, I hadn't taken naps in years other than maybe during the fall in the U.S. college football season. It was just one of those things where I love watching college football. So I would sit in a recliner, start watching the game at noon. By 1.30, I'm passed out cold. 3.30, I wake up wondering, where am I? Who am I? What What's going on? Because I was just in this, what the heck was that? And it's like, you get back to gears. And it was just something I like doing in the fall. But that was every day for a while. And Good. It was a side effect that I had on one of the medication or medications, but also it was my body just thank you. Okay, we we've, we've been you. going, you know, you know, a thousand miles an hour for years. Now mm. we're slowing down, That's and sad. you're gonna live differently. And my my body was telling me this, and. My physician at the time told me after you know the heart attack, he said, you know what? My hunch with you is you are going to be more in tune with your body than you've ever been in your entire life. You're going to feel everything. Beautiful. You're going to notice things. And he was spot on even to this day. And it's been, you know, let's see, what's the math here? Um, 13, 14 years since that event. Yeah, 14 in May. Uh, so since then, it's still the same. I, I noticed something like, okay, that's weird. Okay, what was that? And I'll just monitor it. And it could be just something where I, I, I twisted funny or yeah. you know, maybe there's been something, you know, I ate something wrong or inflammation yeah. with something, you know, there's, but I'm more in tune with my body now than I ever have been before and very careful on what I consume. And you just, you get all of those things. So for me, it was that during that recovery period, was just the actual just slowing down. It literally was like you're going on a fast roller coaster ride and now it's in that coasting area and you're getting ready to get to the gate where you get off the ride. That That's what it felt like. It was like, you've been going, going now. It's like, <sighs> similar to what you had said with you having the the couple glasses of vino and like the stress from that 16 hour shift just went boom. And that's, you know, and you know this, you know, a big thing for people that are, really stressed is they look for those things that can help them get that but it's short term it's not something that is naturally done if you have to use something external to do it then that's problematic because that's when you can run into some issues addictions challenges you name it and it's much better if you can have your body do it for you without any extra additives or preservatives or, or whatever else that so many of us unfortunately throw at us to try to deal with issues or excuse me hide from issues excuse me it's not dealing with them it's kind of hiding and running away from them it's escaping reality and that is exactly mm -hmm. what i was so good at um and i was good at pushing so there you are so you uh, and yeah there is a lot of trauma in my past and in your past here um and we just dealt with it in different ways. Um, no, let's rephrase that. Why did you become a, a, a goal setter? Uh, uh, sorry, a, a, a go-getter. That is the better way to go. Um, what drove you to be that man? I think Who it, did you want to impress? Did you want to impress yourself? Did you want to impress your parents? 
Did you? I, did that give you love? Did it give? Oh you yeah, love? my yeah, my parents. You know, they you know loved and supported me to the nth degree. No complaints. I know a lot of people did not have the best of upbringings. I'm not one of those people. You know, my childhood was great. As I'm having conversations with my mom now, as you know, she's you know obviously a senior citizen different i'm getting different stories you know and I, I have a phone call with her every day and it's one of those things that i'm very thankful that i can still do that uh but you know in our conversations over the phone you know from time to time you know she'll bring up a story from the past that i had never heard before so for me it's it, it's kind of like peeling back the layers a little bit of different mm. things that i didn't see or know about mm. but also in my childhood you know, she started opening up a little bit on some of the challenges that dad and her had while they were raising my brother and myself. And we were kids. We weren't, you know, in in tune, basically, of what was going on. I know some kids are, but I don't think I was. My brother may have been. But, I, you know, we were, you know, living our best life and doing the things we wanted to do. We never went without, you know, we weren't, you know, depending on who you talk to, we weren't spoiled, you know, but we if there was anything that we wanted, we would eventually be able to get it. So we had to wait for it, but so no complaints there. So for me, it was, I'd have to say there wasn't necessarily a, a mentor in place, you know, like some people aspire, you know, like now, you know, they see, you know, famous billionaires. I want to be like this person. I want to be like this person. That's fine. If you you have a mentor for me, there really wasn't anybody that comes to mind. I'm like, okay, I want to be successful like that person. I just want to be successful. And I think a lot of it had to do with having seen, and and I'm kind of, and, you know, kind of coming to a discovery right here. So thank you for that question seeing how people had struggled especially growing up in the metro detroit area auto sector area all of that stuff and how people kind of struggled or just getting by and were kind of stuck in things it's like i don't want to be in that world hmm. i want to rise above that i'm not demeaning anybody that works in those fields I, I have family and friends that work in those industries i'm not demeaning them at all but for i had to do what was right or what I felt was right for me. It's like, I want to be above and beyond that. Why? Because I want the freedom to be able to do what I want, where I want, and when I want. And working in an auto plant, you it's 40 hours a week, you're working in the plant. You know, define free, Freedom is defined differently for everybody. Same thing as success. But for me, it's like, that wasn't something I want to do. So I wanted to rise above and Ever since I was, I think, 14, I knew I wanted to move away from Michigan. I'm like, I'm tired of the winters. I, I don't want to deal with this. I want to go someplace warm and wanted to go to Florida uh, and um, with the humidity and, and all the other fun stuff. I, and actually did live there for a period of time with my first wife and, you know, realized great weather, horrible pay. But great weather, you know, economically speaking, I'm not going to thrive here uh, unless I'm working eight jobs. But um, but the weather's nice uh, and think that's changed a bit. Uh, but back back when I was there, it certainly wasn't the case. Oh, intriguing, isn't it? And again, similarities here. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks and um, it was uh there was always a, a kind of bitterness and, and envy from my parents towards the world um and not necessarily entitlement i guess there was maybe they were very early many uh, millennials um it was certainly a a feeling ah oh, look they have money Arr. and it was a weird thing but maybe that rubbed up on me and i wanted that freedom and luckily i i became good at school and, and found a way out of that life but i had no role models that could model to me how to do it proper on the contrary the role models that i chose were those from film stars uh mel gibson and lethal weapon and, and bruce willis in 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 all the die hard so the down and out guys who were drinking smoking uh all kind of that thing so that that these became my role models um and yeah burnout became a way of life or going hard going hard 
pushing your boundaries. Mm. And there is something really good about that. Um, our determination led us to become those successful people. The problem was that no one ever showed us that you can live a successful life and yet look after yourself. And that is only only really something that I pay so much attention to now. You know, maybe maybe 50 years too late, you could say. But then again, the past does not equal the future. We have got the exactly. rights and the opportunities and the privilege to change our lives every single second by taking mm -hmm. action and, and by choices. And I have to say that it was only in my mid-40s that I did, for example, a I went to a nutritionist and said, look, man, I've sent you patients for such a long time. I never came to you as myself. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I could have said burned out, but I had not had that realization then. Um, can you have a look and take me apart and see what we do? And it turned out that I had food allergies. I was allergic mm. to a beautiful German breakfast, the bread, the gluten, the dairy, um, the eggs, um, everything that I normally loved to eat, I was allergic to. Great. <laughs> and no surprise, there was ongoing inflammation in my body. And therefore, my body was constantly fighting. My God, what did I do to my body? Add to that the stress levels, the cortisol was, was going on super high all the time. Man, no surprise that at some stage my body said, oh, bloody hell, just go home. Um, even a little virus is now strong enough to to wipe us out, uh, idiot. So my body was sending me messages left, right, and center. Did I listen? No way. <laughs> and there you were. Yeah, it finally took a heart attack <laughs> for you. Yeah, yeah. It, it took the cardiac event, and you know the. It's funny you mentioned the the food intolerances. I had a food intolerance test done a couple of years ago, and they tested me on over two hundred fifty types of foods, and I was stunned. And I knew a lot of them. You know, I knew that I had some intolerance. I knew I had a you know lactose intolerance. I knew that I had an, a legit allergy to potatoes, not like I need an EpiPen. I'm going to go into shock if I eat one, but inflammation, you know, things like that. So I knew that and I always joke with people, I'm Irish descent and I'm allergic to potatoes. It's like, what in the world kind of deal is that? So it's like, what, what, you know, like, okay, what happened there? It's like, this is this again, is... again, your body knew it had to get out of there. So it was just exactly. Your, so yeah, we're, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. We're, we're, yeah, we're we're leaving Kilkenny and we're heading out. We're sorry, you know, but um, but I there was another thing, and you met you mentioned the breakfast thing. It's like, yeah, I have an intolerance to eggs, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, my company's name is Breakfast Leadership. The logo's an egg, and I'm allergic to it. That's just great, you know. So, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't eat my own food. I'm like, what's going on with that? But I, I but again, it's once I knew the intolerances I had then you know i adjusted my food intake accordingly and noticed okay less inflammation i don't have you know the aches and pains like i used to have which you know, i shouldn't have them i mean you get them when you start hitting 40 so anybody that's listening that's under 40 yeah enjoy uh, but it, they they shouldn't be too bad yet but there were some days where like okay well i'm feeling rough and like and i just you know originally thought well I slept wrong or what did I eat yesterday? And that's a lot of people don't even know what they ate. They're just like, okay, well, I ordered this and this, but especially if they're constantly eating prepared foods or going out all the time, you don't know all the ingredients that are going in to those things. So uh, I also, you know, made the switch where, you know, the majority of the time, you know, we're eating in and we're preparing our own foods using, you know, the you know, real ingredients and adding them as we add them. So we know what's in that chicken breast. We know what has been put on it. And so it, that way it, it cuts down a whole lot on, on the allergies and inflammation and everything like that. But, and that's such a big thing too, in helping you hmm. prevent or at least reduce stress is Absolutely. if you don't have to have your body fight all of these toxins to you. Because if you eat something you have an intolerance to, it's basically like consuming a toxin. So your body's got to fight that. If you don't have that in your system, 
your body doesn't have to fight that. So your body can use that energy to deal with the stressful situation or that stressful conversation you had last night or that project that's going sideways or whatever the situation is. So food is fuel and you figure out the right fuel for you and it'll make such a big difference. And I, I, I on purpose went down that route first because often enough we think on the top of our our needs pyramid. I want to be sitting with the yogi in a fantastic pose on the top of a mountain. And please tell me what's the meaning of life. That's how I address my burnout. No, you don't address your burnout this way. Uh, that is, uh, I can take that away from you. No, you address your burnout right now. Well, you're already taking action. You're actually listening to that talk. You're actually listening to someone who or to people who have been there. <laughs> we are masters of burnout. Okay. We're, so, we're professionals. Yes. We, right. we, exactly. Yeah, we're we're the we're the burnout pros. Yeah, exactly. We, we should uh, actually we, say don't try that at home, kids. Um, but too many people uh, do try, and you have uh, tried, you have figured out about 2,000 ways, maybe how not to do it, like Thomas Alpha Edison. Come on, there you go. But And maybe it's now time to listen to us. So congratulations, you have already taken action. You have already done the first thing. So now we are talking nutrition. And maybe that might give you an idea that maybe the very basic things need to be addressed first before you seek enlightenment and all kind of other out-of-body experiences. How about you look after your body, literally? Um, so the, the nutrition plays a huge role in anything related to your brain. For those of you who are, don't know your body so well, you've got about a kilogram and a half of, um, of brain tissue up there in your head. You've got a kilogram and a half of nerve tissue around your gut. So when you next time when you hear the word gut feeling, there is actually something seriously going on there, okay? Because there is so much that you can look after your gut with a different nutrition, with hydration. I was so terrible. I was drinking either coffee or alcohol. Uh, guess what? I was running around like a dry crisp. Um, and that is a constant thing. Guess what it is? Your body feels, oh my God, I'm... We are actually dying of thirst. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that the survival needs are going up, that the, the adrenaline, the cortisol go up just because you're running around dry like a crisp? Yes, I give you that because your body says, hey, if I don't get water soon, I die. So simple things. So these are, these are the things that we often forget in our daily lives because we are so busy. We make ourselves so busy. Um, these are just two of the things that I constantly work on. What are other things, Michael, that, that you do in your daily life? What yeah, are the for ones me, that you look out for? Yeah, you, you mentioned to have one, the nutrition thing, you know, making sure that I'm eating foods that I know are right for me, mm. that won't cause me any type of gastro issues or energy issues or things like that. Activity, exercise, you know, I, I do my best to get in least in a 5k walk every morning before oh, wow. I do anything. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So I, I, it's, you know, it's something that is important to me and get to see different things, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll put on the earbuds and I'll listen to motivational videos or reminders of things. You know, a lot of people, you know, will listen to music and that's fine, but I, I'm one to say, you know what, I'm going to be walking for 45 minutes to an hour you know, I, if I do that five days a week, that's five hours of education. You know, that's what, 260 hours a year. I mean, you will become an expert at something or you'll get a whole lot better by educating yourself on, on things. Yeah. Um, nothing against listening to music and you should listen to music. It's healthy for you, but you know, use the opportunity to grow and that'll make you better. But another thing too, and this is where eating well helps is you're focusing on getting the best night of sleep you can. And I find that when I get a good night's sleep, then I am prepared to take on the challenges from today and I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. If I don't get a good night's sleep uh, because I didn't eat well or you know, consumed maybe you know one too many bottles of something or whatever, I'm lethargic, I don't feel good, you know, all those types of things. Mm -hmm. 
And all that does is just makes your stressful day even more stressful because you're not you're not yourself. You're not fully present to be able to address some things. You don't have the clarity. Your cognitive abilities get impacted when you're under prolonged stress. And we're seeing a lot more studies on that where people's ability to just recognize patterns or understand language or relationship cues or nuances go out the window because you're just not fully present because your brain's off in 15 different directions. And so getting good sleep helps you repair the damage that you do to yourself on a daily basis. Even if you live the healthiest of lifestyles, you still do damage based on the information we consume, the air we breathe, the food we eat, all of that stuff it really takes a toll on us. So make sure you get a good night's sleep. And I tell people, instead of buying that brand new 800 inch television, that's always on sale. Um, you know, maybe your, your 500 inch television is going to be good. You're going to be okay with this, but spend the money on good mattress, good bedding, a good pillow and, and get the room, you know, set up for your best sleep. Cause you, you, when you go to a resort and, you know, thankfully most of us, hopefully you've had that opportunity to do that. You go into the bed and the bed is just absolutely amazing. And you get your best night's sleep. You feel this is amazing. You know, you can buy that stuff. You can get beds and pillows and things like that for your home too. And you should spend the money on that, you know, because where do you spend the most number of hours of your day consistently in one spot without moving much be your bed or where you sleep. So invest the money in there because with good nutrition for you, and I, with you, I, I I agree that you definitely work with a nutritionist to kind of sort that out and figure out and get some blood work done and all that so you can figure out what you have and what you don't. Couple that with some activity Absolutely. and some sleep. You you get those things working. Hmm. That helps a lot in being able to keep your stress reduce because burnout happens because you have prolonged stress you don't go from zero to burnout it's got to be prolonged over a period of time that of course that varies for each individual but if you don't have prolonged stress you don't burn out and that's that's the thing that unfortunately so many people aren't getting and that's why we're seeing all the cases of people identifying as being burned out because they've had prolonged stress for a long time and also, we we have not learned to use the right buttons on our body, because we've got buttons. You can press buttons. If you're married, then you know that the other person often finds those buttons, the wrong side, the wrong kind of buttons all the time. And that's that might be a different topic that we may or may not address this this talk. The relationship problems that can lead to the burnout. Uh, but now let's talk about those buttons that you can press. For example you can actually change your state completely. And it's not mm -hmm. magic, some kind of voodoo G uh, Jedi mind trick. No, the only thing you need to know is how to breathe, how to actually switch on your parasympathetic nervous system. Quick refresher, sympathetic nervous system, fight and flight or freeze um, kind of a response. That is what you need to survive when you're stepping in, in a busy road and a bus is about to wipe you out. Um, that is get out of the way or die. That is the system. Brilliant. Now, we are very good at having that switched on 16 hours a day. Yeah, about that. Um, there is another system, and that is the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, it's the vagus nerve is a big part of that. And that vagus nerve is actually running from the base of the brain running through the chest and running into the tummy. Guess what? Around about there in the middle of all that is the diaphragm. Funny dome-shaped breathing muscle that every time you breathe deep in, it sort of stretches down and deep out. Uh, then it comes back up. Sounds simple. It's like a piston mm -hmm. in an engine. And I imagine that actually this nerve is going through there. So every single time you take a deep breath in, it actually stretches and, and massages this nerve. And the nerve says, oh, that's nice. It's a bit like a dog who gets a nice nice cuddle and you think, oh, yes, yes, please, more. Or your cat, if you're mm -hmm. a cat person. Exactly. Now, you can do the same to you, vagus nerve, which then in turn affects the gut, affects the heart, everything calms down. 
feels good. So by you learning to deep breathe, and there are many books and many techniques and beautiful things out there for you to actually just take a deep breath, uh, maybe hold your breath and then breathe out. It's called box breathing, the most simplest form of, of breathing. With that, if you practice that a little bit, you can switch off any anxiety attack in in an amazing way. Okay. And so that is one thing, one simple thing where you practice a skill that will help you, not just in your profession or in your whatsoever life. No, you can actually do very simple things to change the state which you're in. It's not magic. It's just yeah. using your own body. How many of such tricks do you use in a day to control your physiology? Well, I use a bunch. I mean, breathing is definitely one of those things, too. If I notice, and again, this goes back to that physician saying you're going to recognize things. I notice if I get tense. And, and, and one of the techniques that I use is, one, I say, hey, Mike, I recognize you're getting tense. Why are you getting tense? And not in a judgmental, confrontational way, but more of a childlike curiosity. Love why are you? Why is this bothering you? Why is this triggering you? And you know, I recently had a situation where it was a conversation with a loved one, and a situation came up, and it was innocent. You know, they weren't trying to trigger a reaction or anything out of it, but I was triggered by a past trauma that I had many, many years ago regarding a situation that was a bit similar, but you know, obviously different. And they they noticed my my physical appearance changed where my voice was saying one thing, but my body language was saying something else because what I was doing was I was thinking about that traumatic situation and, and, and facing it and going, okay, yeah, hi, great to see you again. Uh, but I was able, but I was working through it. It was, you know, like a situation what you use analogy, like you're playing a video game, for example, and you're, you, you walk into this room and there's the dragon and you're like, okay, do I have everything I need to slay this dragon once and for all? And nope. Okay. Well, I, I still can beat it or defeat it or get away from it. How do I do that? But you got to have that clarity because otherwise, and we see this a lot with people, if if there's a traumatic experience that they've had in their past and it comes up again, it is overwhelming to them and they might get to the point where they're curling up in a ball or they're having just a real tough time with it. Thankfully, that did not happen to me because, again, I caught it early enough to recognize, okay, I've been triggered. And I actually said it to the person. I say, what you said. I know this was not your intent, but that triggered a past memory for me. Then right at this moment, I'm working through it now. So if I seem checked out or I seem irritated or grumpy or gr I should say grumpier, uh, then you'll you'll know that, you know, this is what's going on. Yeah. But I had the wherewithal to be able to communicate that. And, and that's, you know, that took a lot of time and effort to be able to do that. So if something happens and I, I realize I'm getting tensed up or, you know, case in point, you, know, we, you mentioned it a little while ago, you know, right now with the economic situation that we're seeing in the world, I mean, there's a lot going on, you know, the supply chain issues, you know, the pandemic stuff, wars, you name it. There's all kinds of things. Uh, there's a couple of banks that failed in the U.S., so that's got everybody up in arms and running to the bank to withdraw all their cash, and which is going to create another problem. So it, all those things, it, it, again, history may not repeat, but it often rhymes. I started sensing some similarities to some of the crises that we were facing in 2008 and 2009. Mm. I'm obviously in a much different place than I was then. Um, I'm knocking wood financially fine. No, no fears of banks repossessing or taking anything away. Um, I work for me. So if I fire me, that's a conversation I'll have to have with my boss. But so I'm different, different situation altogether. But I recognized it and noticed getting tense just in hearing the news. And, and I had to remind myself, you're not there. Hmm. So what can you do me asking myself me 
what can I do to help those that might be in that situation? What can I do? You know, words of encouragement, you know, putting content on the website, sharing videos, social media posts, whatever. What can I say or do that is going to serve and help people as they're navigating through these challenging times? And that's it's like, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to help people so they don't have to learn about cardiology stuff and you know go through that you know and you know losing your house and your your car and your home it kind of sounds like a country music song if you think about it um you know it's like i lost my dog lost my i didn't lose a dog i didn't have a dog then but if i did i probably would have lost the dog too but you know the, the car the home the job it just has this you know real sad story to it but it 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 like in most hollywood movies it had a happy turn of events and things became a whole lot better for me. And we have got the privilege of choice. And that's what you don't have when you watch a Hollywood movie. You can't you can't in the middle of the film say, no, I actually want the hero to behave in a different way. In your life, you're the hero. You can change. You can call it a day you can you can m make tiny little changes but there is a thing called compound interest um mm -hmm. that you basically all these little changes add up and one plus one makes soon free and it's a weird weird realization um i'm going uh, at the moment through not so nice times um the last three months have been uh not nice uh, very much things out of my control happened in my life. And I found myself going back to certain behavior patterns. My, my, my wheels went back into the ruts there. And um, for example, I, I escaped reality by watching television. And I like crime shows, so, so crime series. So I watched some, some German stuff and actually quite deep and good, good stuff. Guess what? It actually made me more ratty. It made me more, there was more drama. There was more things. So I actually added drama to drama. And I thought, mm. hey, that's not very clever, is it? And mm. so I actually made a point of, no, television stays off. Um, and I, instead, I read a book. And I read, so like you, I read things where I can learn from leadership books, but often enough leadership books written by people who have made the mistakes, um, who have gone through hard times and are out there. Uh, the people like I bring on my show and people like you, um, I try to learn from people who have been there, done that, uh, got the vomit on the t-shirt and are now brushing themselves off and go out there. And so I started spitching off all the, the kind of social media, um, reduce my look at the news cycle, uh, realizing really, yes, there is a lot of shit happening, but can I do much about it? No. I started doing things about it in the sense of like, I, I donate money for every show guest that comes onto my show. So I said, okay, I can't do anything about Putin invading the Ukraine but I can actually donate money uh, through a safe uh, choice towards the Ukraine, towards the refugees. So I'm actually taking action. Again, I'm not powerless. Yes, I can't stop the war there. I can't stop Putin. I can't stop the massacres, but I can do something about it. So again, you're taking action. You are mm -hmm. taking responsibility. You are showing leadership. And I think that is the power it's the power, the privilege of choice. And the moment you take that power on, that moves you from the victim to the survivor. And very mm -hmm. soon, once you actually try to realize who you really want to be when you grow up, it doesn't matter how old you are, but who you want to be, that makes you then the thriver. And I think that's where Michael and I am nowadays. But we are only a few steps ahead of you, of some of you guys. Um, and... Therefore, I, I congratulate you that you have found yourself in a place where burnout obviously plays a role in your life because that pushes you outside of your comfort zone and you're now willing to take action. 
you're willing to learn, you're willing to listen to your body. Now, this is powerful shit. This is good stuff. And that's brilliant. So, Michael, wow, I'm 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 actually so pleased for you that in 2009 you ended up in all that that shitty situation. Because had you not, you would still be in the same rut. You would still be doing the same shit, the boom and bust, the energizer bunny and running out of batteries. No, 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 no. You're the new improved version who's going out there, kick ass and help, is helping others um, to live a life so beautiful that that yesterday really becomes jealous of today. And that's beautiful. So, Michael, I, I, I take my hat off to you. You're an amazing man who is going out there. Now, if people gel with you, if people love to hear more from you, where can they find you? couple places and this is actually the first time i'm publicly announcing this so the first uh, place is, yeah there you go uh, yeah there you go the, the first place you know is you know my uh, the home base is breakfastleadership.com that's where uh, you can find links to my podcast uh really active blog articles that i write about business things and all of that and a variety of different things but from that you know and that and that's geared more towards businesses because i do consulting with businesses and executives on burnout and workplace culture and whatnot. But I thought, okay, I need to have something for, you know, the business to consumer type of thing where it's, you know, individuals that are workers and, you know, they're not running the company, but they certainly feel like it. So I launched freefromburnout.com. And there's more and more resources going up on there on a daily basis, uh, just literally turned it on over the weekend. And there's videos and all kinds of different things on there that I'm adding um, and my team's adding to it, all that. But that's that's you know, 100% burnout related content, videos, blog articles, resources, you name it. So that's freefromburnout.com. Brilliant. And guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast. You've got all of Michael's uh, um, uh, links down there. So easy for you to get to. And there is no excuse not to explore all this wonderful material because you've got one life to live. And there is no test re rehearsal. Uh, you're living it. So you might as well try to do the right, the right make the right decisions now. Uh, address the right problems the right challenges now maybe rephrase them a little bit rather than oh my god what happened to me but rather oh what a cool challenge okay how do i deal with that and it's always a matter of how you phrase it and what questions you ask your brain because your brain and your body they are ready to answer these questions and they will answer them regardless of which question you ask if if you ask why me why me well guess what they will tell you 20 reasons why you and if you ask well how can i learn from that well guess what now the magic happens but sometimes you can't see it you can't see it when you're in such a rut therefore you need people like michael um who who can maybe help you guide you and maybe just show you potential ways out that you have not yet recognized and i think that is where the magic is where you create your power team and the power team being defined as you being the dumbest person in that team okay so therefore you need people who have been there done that and i think when it comes to burnout the the <laughs> we have got uh, michael levitt who is most definitely an expert in it you have figured that out by now so, Michael, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. This was a very, very good uh, interview. You made me ref reflect on quite a few things. And I have to say, okay, it's, it's time to pull up my socks here. Um, that is, uh, there are things that I have neglected uh, where I can do better. And for that, I'm grateful. So, Michael, you're an amazing man. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. No trouble at all. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.